Hello and welcome to the Work Matters podcast, where we discuss what matters at work and how to make it better. Research shows that the primary factors of happiness include health, social relationships, and our experiences, or how we spend time each day. For so many people, when it comes to daily experiences, this third factor is largely about our work. When it comes to leading a happy and fulfilling life, work really does matter. Work dictates so much about our daily experiences that it affects our sense of fulfillment, affects our health, and often even becomes the centerpiece of our relationships. This podcast starts with the premise that when people lead healthier, happier lives, everyone benefits. We become better mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, neighbors, I don't know, what else, uh, pet owners, and yes, we even become better, more productive employees. Our well-being matters, and so, in each podcast, we'll explore a specific topic related to the experience of work with a focus on understanding why it matters and how to make it better. I'm Robert Richardson, here with Steve Hunt, and Steve, what matters at work today? Electronic communication, like email and chat. Do you get a lot of emails, Robert? Oh my goodness. I think uh, sometimes I feel completely overwhelmed by all the emails I get. I like to tease when people ask me what I do for a living that I answer emails and talk on the phone. Yeah, I pretty much manage my inbox. I, I kind of wish I could, if I could publish my emails, I would have written like War and Peace 4,000 times over. So <laughs> have you ever gotten an email that, you know, basically like um, annoyed you, made you angry? Has that ever happened to you? Absolutely. Yeah, no, no question at all. You know, it's funny. I think we all, I've definitely gotten where you get the email and you're like, ah, and you're typing like, da, 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 da. and then fortunately, this is my emotional intelligence. I don't send it, but some people do. <laughs> yeah, I, I think in those instances, now, I guess another interesting question is, have you ever written a, uh, an angry email? I, I know my strategy is to, if I find myself doing it, I write it, I stop, I rest for the evening, and then I look at it again to see if it was worth it. That's what I've been told. Coaching, I fortunately got very early in my career. Yes, probably at some point I have. But I think a lot of times people don't realize that they've written emails that are offensive and they don't even know. And I think that's the challenge of email is you... Fair enough. You, it, it's kind of like throwing rocks off the Grand Canyon. You don't really know necessarily how the person's interpreting it or what's happening on the other end. Or where it's going to land. Um, but exactly, where did it land right? Well, today... <laughs> I'm super excited because we have Joe Freed, who is an expert in electronic communication and how to do it well. He's the founder of a company called Cultivate that uses artificial intelligence and semantic neural language parsing, blah, blah, cool tech terms, basically to analyze emails and chats and how people are interacting and give people feedback on whether or not your emails are coming across the way you want them to and just really kind of cool stuff. So, and he's going to tell us about what he's learned in terms of effective and ineffective electronic communication. So Joe, welcome to the show. Steve and Robert, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. So, Joe, first question I always like to ask is, you know, on, on Work Matters, why does this work matter to you? I mean, how did you decide, I want to build technology to study email and chat and how to help people make it better? Where did that come from? Sure. Well, you know, it was a, a journey both from myself and my two co-founders sort of arrived at this. Uh, for myself, it was my previous company, I was 
leading a company with a lot of folks overseas. And it was the first time that I had to manage a company uh, where the team was remote and my relationships were mostly digital. So this was about four or five years ago. And my relationships with my team were mostly via Slack. And so that was the first time I had to deal with that challenge. For example, I would you know, write a message to the team and say, how's it going? And I get back a thumbs up emoji. Is that good? Is that bad? I don't know. Am I being too positive, too negative? Am I ignoring someone? Is my team motivated? Uh, it's hard to understand and sort of parse that emotional side of your relationships when you can't see folks. At the same time, uh, my two co-founders, uh, Andy and Samir, both engineers, were working on some really interesting NLP technology, and they approached it where they were trying to understand your personal relationships via text. So their theory was that a lot of friendships are text-based, right? That's just the nature of how I'm communicating with my friends. And can you build an AI model of a relationship based on text and then improve that relationship? And so when I met Andy and Samir, the aha moment was, hey, it's not personal, but let's bring this technology to the enterprise, to the company, and see if we could help workplace relationships. Because the big macro trend we were seeing was the way we communicated personally was becoming the same way we were communicating at work. Now, I don't know if you remember, but back in the day, you used to have two phones, a work phone and a home phone and a personal phone. Uh, workplace communication used to be very asynchronous, right? Specific times of day, I'd communicate a lot in person. Uh, but we saw the shift that my relationships at work were becoming very much like my relationships uh, in my personal life. Highly synchronous, getting pings all day long, uh, continuous flow of information, and very digital. And so we wanted to take that concept of digital relationships and help people understand them better at work. And so that's when we started our journey. We started that journey about three years ago. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's so fascinating when you get into this whole idea of like electronic communication. And I remember, well, one, I think people don't realize that every time you come in with a new form of communication, uh, society kind of goes through and says, you can't have real communication with this. You know, they said it about the telephone. I imagine they said it about email. They said it about text. I imagine they probably even said it when they invented writing. Somebody probably said, you can't have real communication with writing. <laughs> you could go back to it. And and I do remember my... um. My brother once, when, when texting was first taking off and his son was texting and he was chatting about it. He said, you know, who knows that you can't have a really real, a real relationship with it. People used to have, you know, famous relationships through writing letters that they'd get every several months. So it's just a different form of communication, but it is a different form of communication. And so when you look at electronic communication, what have you learned in terms of what is it that people tend to not pay enough attention to when they're communicating electronically. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, two two big trends and this is kind of what's, you know, moving, you know, uh, you, you said in your opening that you manage your inbox and you know, we have found that that that's the case. Um, people are sending a lot more messages after work hours. I think there was a, a recent Wall Street Journal article that coined Sunday is the new Monday because everyone's cleaning out their inbox on Sunday night. Um, and so everyone gets this flood of electronic communication. And um, the reality is that 
the lines are blurred between the traditional office hours and after office hours. And that means we just get this continuous flow of communication. And that's that's partly because our sort of views of the traditional workplace uh, calendar and schedule are a hundred years old. I mean, the old uh, uh, eight to five, uh, five day a week, 40 hour a week was initially adopted, I think, by Ford Motor Company in the 1920s. So that's a hundred year old framework of work. And that workplace used to be coming to a factory and leaving a factory. Uh, and that's how we have our calendar set up. That that same calendar structure is what we use today for the calendar. But the reality is, is we ping each other all the time. And so what we've learned is that uh, people don't really have a good grasp of when to send messages, how to not send messages. And I think part of the problem is we initially looked at electronic communication as our own productivity. Right? I have to clean out my inbox. I have to manage my emails to make me more productive at work. But what happens is, is when you're a manager of people, when you're a boss, uh, it's not just your productivity. When you clean out your inbox, you are then impacting your folks that you're emailing to. And so being able to shift that thought of saying, what I send in electronic communication is going to impact my employees, their well-being, their burnout, their motivation, their employee experience. And now you start to think of your email and your inbox as a driver of the employee experience of your team. And I think that's just a mind shift going from very tactical productivity use of digital communication to use of it as empowering in coaching, inclusion, engagement. And I think that's a shift that we're starting to see people realize its huge impact on the well-being of their people. Wow. I think, you know, a couple of things you hit on, I think, are really like the timing one is the first one that, you know, a lot of the, the way we interact is rooted in very historical, traditional concepts of work. As you said, like the timing of when we work is sort of an artificial construct that was came up that we've come to accept. But because when we get on email, we don't know what the right norms are. We would never schedule a meeting in the office at like one in the morning, but we'll send emails at one in the morning, <laughs> you know, just because we, we don't have good norms for that. And I think that's a really good point that we don't think about it. And this idea, I really like this idea of shifting the mindset that email, we tend to think about us being productive and getting stuff done, but we don't think about it on the receiver side. When you when you go more to the receiver side, what about the, the obviously the timing is you should no, don't send emails at two in the morning or you know probably try to avoid that or batch them so they come later. But what about the content of the email? How is that shifting? If I'm writing an email, what should I be thinking about in terms of the content and the impact it's going to have on the the receiver's experience? Yeah, I mean that's. One of the things we've actually seen a huge shift when looking at the data, uh, especially today, as the idea of uh, Slack, Microsoft Teams, um, people are just highly connected, highly synchronous communication. Uh, we've seen a big shift in what people are using digital communication for. Um, and specifically, we've seen uh, a big uptick in uh, opinion sharing. So asking for opinions and sharing opinions and feedback in digital communication. So let me give you an example. 
um, uh, as opposed to using digital communication for more tactical responses, like sending someone a Slack or a, a Teams or a chat message that says, let's grab a room. And then you both grab a room and then you have the more deeper brainstorming conversation in person. But now with many more people working from home, distributed, remote, people are actually having that deeper, denser conversation, sharing those opinions in digital communication. So seeing that, that, that the way we're communicating, what we're talking about is much more deeper, there's much more emotion, there's much more opinion, is an important shift in the way we're using that communication. And I'll tie it back to the idea of if you're a manager and you have a team of people, that's an important thing to understand because the other big insight that we've seen from the data is if you're a manager and you want your team to speak up more, share more opinions, right, which leads to a more innovative group, how you value the opinions they share with you makes a big difference. And here's an example. So, Steve, if I work for you and I send you this big uh, email or chat message about something I've worked on, I say, Steve, here's this report that I did and I, f I have all these findings. What do you think? Now, you as my boss, obviously, you want to respond to that. If you don't respond in a timely manner, I'll be demotivated to share more. Secondly, if you just write back to that, hey, thanks, that's good but that's not really motivating to me. Whereas if you write back to that and say, hey, Joe, thanks for that. Here's what I think. If you share your opinion on my opinion, the data shows that I will share more opinions with you. I will feel like my opinion is valued and I will want to share more. And so that's an understanding that's easier to understand in person because I'm looking at you and I'm sharing my opinion and you can give me that feedback. It's harder to do when you have you know, a thousand messages in your inbox, you're cleaning it out, you've got a lot of digital pings. To be able to take time as a boss to value the opinions of your team in the digital context is something we find is challenging, but has a huge driver on the engagement and motivation of your team. I think as you're talking about that, I think it's so important too. It kind of goes back to that idea of if somebody, if, if you're a manager and one of your reports came in and shared this whole idea with you that they clearly were passionate about and you looked at them and just said, thanks. You know, it would be offensive. But on email, I think people do do that because they don't realize that, that, that there's that sort of emotional side when somebody invests in sharing their opinion with you they're kind of putting themselves out there, you know. Yeah, um, you know, I think it's uh, I think it's a combination of they don't realize, but it's also back to this idea that I look at digital communication as my own productivity. And just like you said before, if I have a lot of messages and I just need to clear my inbox, I may say thanks real quick because I got to get this off my plate because I'm looking at the digital inputs as these productivity markers. And if I could respond to all my email messages, I've won for the day, right? That's, that's, that's my mentality. When as an individual contributor, maybe that works, but as a, a manager of people where I'm focusing on things like well-being, valuing opinions, um, there needs to be a secondary thought of not just my own productivity, but then how I value my team's opinions. And, and that, that 
being able to manage both of those things, especially when you're a manager and you have got a lot on your plate um, and you've got a lot of emails and you have a lot of people asking for your time, I think that is something that has just gets buried. It gets pushed down, right, on the on the things that are uh, important to you, which it should be risen up because it is so important to your people. It is. I think that, well, you know, I, I think that game Whack-A-Mole, you know, these moles would pop out. I think that's <laughs> yeah. how a lot of push emails is trying to get rid of them. And I, and I used to say, you're talking about managers. I think the same applies to like any coworker relationships is thinking about, mm-hmm. You know, I think people, there's a lot of stuff out there about how to write emails and that you should ask the question first and then explain why and, you know, sort of efficiencies. But what you're hitting on is there's this whole emotional commitment side to it. And, you know, if you look at emails, there's the facts. You can communicate facts. And part of that is when you do that and the timing, the opinion and appreciating that part of how you respond to an email shows your appreciation for somebody's opinion and thought. The third one, though, is emotion itself. You know, writing emotion, humor, emojis, what have you learned about those things? Particularly, I guess people always wonder, you know, is it good to put the smiley face in or not? (laughs) So, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I think emojis are important, you know, so important even that uh, we built a classifier at Cultivate and we pull them into the data to give people feedback on things like positivity, negativity, responsiveness, giving recognition. Um, and so we we think emojis as part of the digital communication. And I think the reason for that is along the same context that uh, um, the digital communication platforms are, are moving from very technical productivity uses of time. Uh, Steve, send me that report or let's grab a room or let's have this meeting to where we're trying to convey opinion uh, and thoughts. And people need to tag emotions to that. And there's no way to do that. And so I think uh, people latch on to emojis to be able to do that. And they're prevalent enough and important enough. And I think that's going to continue as we have deeper and deeper conversations in the digital world. People want to attach emotion to it. They need to. And I think that's the yearning of people wanting to do that. And so I think they are um, an important part of how we communicate at work, even though they may look like they're sort of fluffy and not for work. They're actually a very important part of how we share uh, opinions with our coworkers. I think that's, that, that's a great observation. And just to the sort of move to remote work in general, you see that with teams that work remotely, they joke more on conference calls because you don't have that sort of, you know, informal communication. So you have to take that, that, that informal social part into how you are communicating, which for a lot of people is email. My last question is, do you see differences between email and things like chat and instant messaging? Is it you know, are these are these are the same things apply or you're like, well, no, when you're instant messaging, it's different rules or is it basically the same? Yeah, I mean, it's so it's interesting. I think the challenging for instant messages and chat are are harder to grapple with, um, especially on the the synchronous perspective. Um, and what I mean by that is email has a inherent 
asynchronous aspect to it where we don't actually expect that people are going to respond to emails right away. Now, it's still going to give me anxiety, right? If I get this email after hours and I look at that red dot on my phone and I see that I have all these emails, um, I'm going to want to read them to see what they're saying. Um, but the problem is now with chat is the um, there's this idea that chat is synchronous and the more prevalent chat gets um, and people send uh, in our data about three to four times more chat than they do uh, emails and we're seeing emails used to be much denser conversations and chat used to be much shorter conversations and that's actually uh, chat is becoming more denser, right? So that idea of uh, opinion sharing. So as chat becomes more dense, it's not getting less synchronous. And so what you're getting from just a well-being perspective is uh, a lot more chats, a lot more after hours, um, without any implicit or explicit norms of do I have to respond to this right away or not? Uh, it's hard to say I didn't see that chat, right? Because it's it's staring at you. Everyone knows you get that pinged. It's a lot easier to say, hey, I didn't get that email. I'll catch up on it. But when you're in a chat, especially with a group thread, there's then also these norms and pressures to say, I have to, I have to respond to that group thread. And so I think what what we're seeing is a lot of the um, the feedback around well-being and burnout is trying to understand just norms around synchronous chat messages and how do we confine that into uh, a work-life balance when there are no lines between work and life. And so I, I think a lot of um, a lot of that anxiety around chat has become through the prevalence of it. And you can think this is really new for us, right? So Microsoft Teams, um, you know, I mean, they they only launched uh, about three years ago. Slack's fairly new. So in just the cycle of the way we communicate at work, this is a very new, uh, a very new environment that we at work have to deal with. And I think that's the thing that people are trying to grapple with. Oh, I love the fact that you're studying this because you're absolutely right and looking at this because you look at like chat when I think of it, there's like informing people and there's distracting people. And to some degree chat, to me, it's the equivalent of if you did work in an office when somebody walks up to your desk and interrupts you. Right. <laughs> you kind of the expect is that you will respond. And I, I think we have, you know, we have to figure this out and we are. And I think that the, what the, re the work that you're doing is so valuable in this area. La last question as we just wrap it up is, um, is there any specific insights or things that you'd share? If you looked at all the stuff, you know, just sort of closing out saying sort of something that would leave somebody to say, this was really fascinating that I've taken from this work. Just a final thought to share with the audience. Yeah, you know, I think just uh, maybe I'll frame it in a final tip for the audience. The, the most fascinating thing that we've found is um, the you can have an enormous impact on your people uh, by just being responsive to their digital communication. It seems obvious, but it's actually a lot harder than it seems. Uh, and if you do this little tip, if you put this little uh, a reminder if you're a manager of folks that at the end of the day to just look at the messages your team sent and make sure you've replied thoroughly to them. Um, if you put that in, you'll, you'll realize it's a lot harder than it sounds, right? Because it will be the end of the day. You'll have a lot to do. You'll have a lot in your inbox. Uh, but just try to do that. Try to do that for a week, knowing how valuable and how 
um, how that improves motivation and well-being for your team. They'll feel so much valued, uh, and it's a lot harder to actually do. And so I'd say, give it a shot. Put that reminder at the end of the day to go back through the messages from your team and make sure you've thoroughly answered them all. Do that challenge for a, a, a week and see how that comes out because it could be really impactful for you. That is really great advice. It's like when those communications you have, and some people, your job isn't just to inform, it's to appreciate and support. And I think what you're showing, that's such a great piece of advice. Well, Joe, this has been fantastic. And I, I look forward to learning more about the research that you're doing. There'll be information about Joe and his company Cultivate on our show notes. And Joe, thanks so much for showing up on Work Matters. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the conversation. Wow, Robert. That was really cool. What were you, some of your, t I learned a bunch of stuff. What did you learn? Absolutely. I, I think part of uh, what I took away is that your communication isn't just about you, right? You know, he mentioned that email is not just about your own productivity. I, I know I'm really guilty of that. I, I get to the end of the day and, and I am absolutely the guy who is going to answer emails at, at midnight, right? And uh, here I'm sending out all these emails to people and uh, you know and I'm, I may not be thinking enough about the anxiety that I'm creating when they receive these these late emails and maybe feel like they need to reply and uh, and I've heard that from Joe in the past and, and made changes right so now I use things like uh, send later you know where I'll, I'll click and I'll schedule the email to go out at 8 a.m. so for all my colleagues if you're receiving emails from me disproportionately at 8.05 a.m. That's why I'm scheduling for you to save your inbox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the thing, too, is, is that that mindset, as you said, that trying to look at how the email is responded to on the other side. I'm reminded of something that my own father yeah. told me years ago when I was frustrated by a manager. And he said, remember what that person's doing to you now and don't do it to others. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> I think yeah. It's on emails. If you remember how you don't like to get email or chat and then be conscious of what you're doing to other people. That's right. And, and make validation statements, right? I think that was another big takeaway. You know, when, when somebody sends you an email, especially if it is of an opinionated nature, right? If they're sharing their thoughts and, and feelings with you, it, it is truly not enough to send yes, right? Or no, or thanks. You've got to be thoughtful. Yeah. And I think, you know, if somebody, I think that's part of the things too, it kind of gets back to the whole thing about feedback, which, you know, I spent a lot of my career talking about how to create manager feedback, that when somebody does provide feedback, they're putting themselves out there. And even if you don't like the way it's worded, you should realize they're taking a risk in doing it because the alternative is for them to say nothing. That's right. It's probably not what you want. That's right. It, it, it absolutely works, isn't it? And then there are emojis, right? Uh, you know, and I just, I just love his comments around emojis because it, it takes me back to a moment early in my career where I had uh, I'd made some joke via email and I had included the smiley face. It didn't even convert to, you know, a picture uh, at that time, but I had sent that, that joke and the smiley face and my coworker uh, read it and came over and teased me about it, right? And said, you, you really send emojis in a business setting? And it, you know, it made me nervous about uh, sending any emojis in a business setting for a long time. And, you know, of course, that was that was a long, long time ago. But uh, but I recall it clearly because I, I wasn't sure anymore at that point in time if you were supposed to. And so if you are out there and wondering if you're supposed to be putting emojis in your work communication, just know that Joe Freed 
says it's okay, just don't use too many and make sure you're using them in particular in what might be an emotionally ambiguous situation, right? I, I sent a text to my wife uh, the other day and I told her, you're overthinking this. And that could have been taken as really mean or really funny. And so I put that smiley face laughing emoji in there immediately afterwards, right? Clarify the, clarify the situation. Yeah, when you want to say something with a smile or whatever, and yeah, I will say it's a whole new, there's, there's people I've met that are masters of the emoji. And I guess I would end with one last thing. If you're having an email, whatever, at a certain point, still pick up the phone. You know, it goes so far. Thanks, Steve. Speaking of email, I can see it rolling in and uh, we're all coming up on, on our next meeting. So uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to the Work Matters podcast. Thank you, Joseph Freed of Cultivate for coming on today. We will be sure to get you more information in our show notes. So if you're looking for more info on Cultivate, Joseph Freed or SAP, look no further than that. And we'll look forward to seeing you on the next podcast because what matters? Well, today, communication matters. Work matters. Thanks for joining us on the Work Matters Podcast.